number of years, and, uh, and we're going to unpack that a bit this morning. Um, but before we do, probably this is one for people who know me fairly well, is um, what sort of things am I, Jonathan Davidson, passionate about? What, what am I passionate about? Any ideas? Sorry, Jim. Counting crows, yes. Anybody heard of the band Counting Crows? Not many. Counting Crows are probably, the, thank you, Josh, the most awesome band out there. If you want to come to a gig any time, just let me know and I'll let you know when they're playing. Anything else that I'm passionate about? Excel. Say again? Excel. Excel. Yeah, Excel, Microsoft Excel. A spreadsheet is the most beautiful thing ever, I tell you. <laughs> you put some numbers in a spreadsheet and the way it populates a graph, it's just beautiful, beautiful. Um, say again? Chopping wood. Yes, thank you, Rob. I do love to chop wood. There's a, I've got lots of oak in my garden at the moment, and it's just, it's just sitting there. And every now and then I just sit in the garden just looking at that wood. and just, ooh, ooh. I look forward to chopping that wood. So, um, dates. dates. Yes, I do love a good date. And not the, the kind you have at East Christmas, the, the calendar date. The, so um, if we just bring up that slide, Steve, if you don't mind. If that date there, the 12th of the 12th, 2012, that was very special. We had one, two, one, two, one, two. It was a beautiful day. Very, it's top notch for those PA people out there. One, two, one, two, one, two, testing. That was a beautiful date. We don't have many more of those this century, so we have to enjoy them when they do, do come up. Those are some of the things that I am passionate about. Now, those of you who are visiting this morning think, whoa, what's he on about? What, have I, what am I listening to? Well, let's get a bit more serious. When I was a young uh, child, I believe that God gave me my true passion, my true passion in life. God sowed a passion in me for the church, for the local church. I love this church. I love you guys. I'm passionate about the church. And um, as a child, I grew up, um, we were Kempsey Baptists back then, and I loved coming along each Sunday. Just, it was like a family. And, uh, and I loved the fact that um, we just meet together. There were people there that, that I aspired to be like, the people who inspired me. The only downside probably was that once a month we'd have a family lunch and it just seemed to be quiche. We, all, that's all we had was quiche. And, and some people put mushrooms in their quiche. What's that about? Mushrooms? No, no. But, but God gave me a passion for the church. I love the church. I love this church. And we're going to explore that this morning. And some of you may be thinking, the church? Surely that's out of date surely that's irrelevant now when I was younger I feel I can say that now I've turned 40 when I was younger when I was a boy I feel I can say that with real yeah honour um, on a Sunday it would be you'd go to church and then you'd have a, a bit of a roast dinner and then you'd come back and have a, 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 a um, sit down by the fire have a little sleep by the fire and that was your Sunday maybe have a game of football but times are changing and people are busy on a Sunday it's a busy life and church would interrupt people's busy schedules so people say they're too busy to come to church on a Sunday now or people say the church is hypocritical in that the church is people will come to church profess one thing and then go and live a completely different lifestyle when they get home in the week that's not the church I believe in the, the church that I'm passionate about is the same church that God's passionate about some people say to me I'm not passionate about the church but I love Jesus and I'd say to you, you can't be. God is passionate about the church. You can't distinguish God and the church. God's the head, the church is the body. The two come together. You can't not be passionate about the church because that's what Christ is passionate about. I've got to be careful. I'm going to jump over my notes. But what gives me hope for the church, and we'll look into this in a bit more in detail in a bit, is that in Revelation, 
you have this picture at the very end of Revelation 21. You have this picture of, of God returning for his bride, his beautiful bride, the church. And um, I love that. It, it reminds me of my wedding day when I was stood down the aisle nervously, looking down, just hoping for a glimpse of Nick as she, as she came down the aisle and just desperate to get a view of my beautiful bride, of the one that I was overjoyed to see, the one that I knew that I would be with forever. And God, in a much more passion and a much more, um, same as us, he looks at us and he knows that that is my bride. That is my bride. That's my church. And I want, and we're going to be with him together. And one day we'll be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We will be celebrating the marriage of the Lamb. It's an amazing, amazing thing, the church. I've just, yeah, lost my notes. So just bear with me one moment. My prayer this morning as, as we look at the church, I pray that you guys, again, just rekindle your love for the church. Or if, if you're not so passionate about the church, that God does something in your heart this morning, that he sows a passion in you for the church. Because it is the answer. It is God's purpose. It is God's way of reaching the lost. So every now and then we have to take a step back. And we, we come here week in, week out on a Sunday morning. Some of us get here about half past eight, set all this gear up and then we have a time of worship, a talk, go home again. Why do we do that? Why do we do it? And it's important that we just take a step back and there's a purpose. It's important that we recast vision, that we recommit to God and his church. For many of us, we've been around a long time and we've been doing this week in, week out. And we sometimes take it for granted, this beautiful thing called the church. But this morning, like, like we've sung, we've, we've, we've grasped the glory of Jesus in our worship this morning. It was beautiful just to sing of our great God. And it was beautiful just to see him in glory. But it's important that we also grasp the wonder of this wonderful thing called the church, the local church. And so when we, when we go home today, we go home with a passion for his church. We go home with a passion for his bride. So let's look at Matthew 16, verse 17. I don't know why I've picked my Bible up because I've got it here. It's, um, it says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So we're going to look at that little passage that, and those promises within that passage. And when, uh, when it, Jesus talks about on that rock I will build my church, there's two kind of common thing, thinking. One, some of the scholars will say that the revelation that Peter received at that point was the rock that Jesus was going to build upon. But others will say, and I probably I'll lean on this side, is the fact that the rock that he's going to build his church on is Jesus. It says in other passages of scripture that Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and therefore, we build upon Jesus. But there's a couple of promises within that um, passage that we're just going to look at. Firstly, Jesus promises, I will build my church. And the second one, the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And when you look at those two promises, it kind of prompts questions in your head, doesn't it? It thinks, can he build his church? Will he build his church? Will the gates of hell prevail? So let's just have a quick look at those questions and 
Can he build his church? I believe the answer is yes. As you look around the world today, many people would question, like we looked at the beginning, whether the church will survive. People would say, diminishing numbers, would say the church is out of date and irrelevant. That's not the church I see. When we looked at church, when we sang in worship this morning, we sang truth. We sang about a God, our great God. Come with me, sing with me, our great God. It's, um, and that is the God that makes these promises. That is the God that says, I will build my church. He sat at the right hand of the Father. He has all authority given to him. And he sat there, seated on high. He is the same as yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He is the great I am. So when Jesus speaks those words, I will build my church, he speaks with authority. So we may question, does the church have a future? I tell you, yes, it does. Jesus has spoken, I will build my church. So we have to think when we, when we look at that question, who's spoken those words? The next question was, so will he build his church? Now, if I was to say, I will build my church, most of you will look at me, well, that counting crows, spreadsheet loving guy, I don't have much confidence in him that he could build a church. And, uh, and, and most of you would probably be right, yeah, on my own, no, I couldn't build a church. But this morning we're looking at Jesus. We're looking at the faithful one who doesn't change. Same today as he was yesterday. Same tomorrow. He will always be. So when we consider will he build his church, we consider will Jesus build his church? And yes, he is faithful. So we've got absolute confidence and assurance that God will build his church and it's a beautiful thing. The second promise was that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, when I used to think about this verse, I used to think about the, the gates of hell and they wouldn't be able to stand the, the, the advance of the church. But it's more than that. When I looked at the word prevail, it's not a word we use that much these days, but it's will it overcome? Will it, will it be superior to? Will it be overpower the church? Will it be able to overpower God's kingdom? And thankfully, we have this amazing book that, that tells us the ending. We know the ending. We know that God has the victory. We know that Jesus has overcome. On the cross, he said it is finished. It is done. And so we have an amazing confidence that the the powers and the gates of hell, they will not overcome. But the reality is, like Jim was just saying, we live in a world at the moment where God's kingdom has not fully come yet. God's kingdom will fully come when we're in heaven with him. So we're at a battle. In the supernatural, there's a battle ongoing. And you know what? The gates of hell are going to have a pretty good go are trying to take down the church so we have to pray we have to pray for the church we have to ask God's kingdom to come we have to seek his kingdom because the gates of hell they're going to try and have a go at the church and, and pick people off and things so we hold truth hold firm to the truth that God can he will and the gates of hell can't overcome it I believe once you've grasped these truths once you know for certain that God is building a church then it changes your perspective. It changes your outlook. God's church is the answer. It is the answer. The world needs the church. We need God's church. And I believe God's got to do certain things in our lives. If we want to see the promises of God for our church here at Hope, 
the promises that God's spoken over us. There's certain things that God's got to do in our, in our hearts, in, in, in our spirit, I believe. We've got to shrug off passivity. There's things that God's got to do in us in order to do that. And the first one, first thing I believe God's got to do, he's got to give you revelation of the church. When we looked at that passage earlier, the disciples and Jesus had been having a conversation. And the, the Jesus had said to his disciples, who do, you, sorry, who do the people say I am? And their answer was, some people say he's John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. But then he turns to his disciples and says, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. To which Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you by flesh, sorry, not by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We have a God that loves to reveal things to us. He loves to share things with us. He loves to sow seeds of faith in our hearts. He loves to bring revelation of his word. Um, And many of us come to this church week in, week out, and we hear things about God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, amazing things. But unless God really reveals them to you, they're just words many times, and you need God's spirit to reveal a lot of this truth to you. I remember... Um, Nick and I had been on a training course once and uh, we were looking at some quite heavy theological topics um, and I came home and my, my mind was just blown. I said, man, I, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how I go on, really. It's just blown away. So I, I went to my room and, and took my Bible and it, we'd been looking about the concept of grace. And as I, as, as I read my Bible and, and, and prayed, God met with me. And there was a moment when I just understood grace. I understood what grace was. And I'd heard about grace since a young boy. But God revealed to me in that instant, grace. I now know I have to no longer earn my salvation. I no longer have to try and be good enough to get to heaven. God's done it all for me. When he looks at me, he sees Christ's righteousness. And I tell you what, that moment changed my life. You know when you have those moments of milestone moments, you think, Jesus did something in me. And you know what? The same has to be for all of us. God has to reveal something of his church and his, and his purposes for the church in each of us so that we will be passionate about it. You have to see something in the spirit for his church. We all understand it's not just a building, it's the people and things that, that come along. But God reveals something in your spirit. And that gives you great revelation. Why do we need revelation? Because it keeps you going. When, when I look at this church, I love you guys. I said from the outset, I love this church. I've loved it since I was a young boy. But when I look at it, I don't see what I see in Scripture. No offense, I'm not being negative. I don't see what I see in Scripture. There's, there's a famous passage in Acts 2, 42, 47, where it says... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the faith of all the people 
and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And sometimes you can read that passage of scripture, it's a well-known piece of scripture, and you think, you feel a bit blue, you feel a bit negative, not negative, you feel a bit downhearted, because you think, that's not us yet. Say again, Mark. Is it? I'll leave that one to Jim tomorrow. Um, but you, and you kind of think that, that passage of scripture there is just mocking us. But no, when you've had the revelation from Jesus of the church, you don't see that as a, as a passage of scripture to compare ourselves to. It's a passage of scripture that models this is what the church looks like. This is something to aspire to. This is something to, to run after. That's what we hope church should be aspiring to be like, where we everything together looking after the orphans and widows, and, and we'll get onto that. In, there's some amazing declarations of truth in the, in the, in the New Testament and the Bible about the church. It says, the church is the salt and light of the whole world. We are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're the bride of Christ. Many, many passages of scripture. It's great stuff and, and, and we, we see glimmers of it. But I believe there's so much more that we can see as a church if we can receive revelation of, of what God's purposes and plans for his church. So that's point one in terms of, I believe it starts with revelation. Secondly, I'd say once you've had that revelation, I believe you're then captivated. Once you've seen it, it's hard to turn away. Excuse me. When you see the church as Jesus sees it, it's hard to turn your back on it. It said in John 2 that zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus was consumed by his passion for the church. We, we believe that this nation needs the church in every city, in every village, in every community. In the nations of the world, it needs a church. The church is the answer. Why do we do what we do? Why do we meet here on a Sunday? Why do we have encounter camp? Why do we do encounters on Friday night? We have a congregation over in Dines Green. We send Richard to Uganda to bless the churches over there. We send Alex and Dee over to the Middle East to, to, to bless churches over there. We send Richard to Germany every now and then to bless churches. We believe the church is the answer. That's why we do what we do. I believe this city of Worcester needs the church it needs us running at the full promises of God I believe each one of you in this room today is here because of the church some of you may say to me no I moved to Worcester because it's a lovely part of the UK nice scenery got the Malvern Hills nearby or you came because the family were close by or or you came because the um, good schools or you got you found a job here or a, or a house that you really liked. No, I believe you're here to fulfill the promises of God. I believe you're here to serve in this church. Now, I work for a company uh, in Chorley, which is outside Preston, which is about two to three hours away. So I spend a lot of time travelling and, and away from the family. And lots of people often say to me, why don't I move to Chorley? And the answer is Hope Church. I love this church. I'm passionate about it. And I believe that we can do so much together. We can do so much for God's kingdom together. Excuse me. So why do we need to be captivated? I believe we need to be captivated by the church because sometimes we're going to mess up. 
Sometimes somebody's going to say something to you that may hurt you. Sometimes somebody may say something you don't agree with. And you need to be captivated by the church because you need to be able to say, okay, that's okay. I'm going to press on. I still believe in the promises of God. I still believe the church is the answer. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to stay and press on with the local church. Because you're believing for something better. There's often disappointments in hope. Sorry, in church generally. I've been hurt at different times in the church. But you know what? When you've seen the glory of it. Excuse me. Okay. So that's my opening ramble. Let's get a bit more practical. So there's six things which I'll try and be quick on. How do we, how do we try and build a church that models something like that we see in Acts? And the first point would be Jesus-centred. Everything that we do is centred around Jesus. Everything we do. It says in Ephesians 2, 19-22, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation, the apostles and the prophets with, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is held together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, I'm not a builder. We have got some builders here, so they might correct me. But what I understand about a cornerstone is it's the first brick or stone to be laid. And that stone defines the whole stru- the rest of that structure of that building. That's the, the reference point for everything else. And so when we meet, we want Jesus to be the centre of everything that we do. So when that comes to our worship, our worship time, we want it to be focused on Jesus. We want to be singing truth. We want to be singing adoration to our King. When it comes to our teaching, we want our teaching to be Jesus-centred. It's all about Jesus. Our values. Our value is we believe in grace. We believe grace is everything, and it's because of what Jesus achieved on the cross. We are saved alone by him. Everything that we do, everything that's part of us, we want it to be centralised around Jesus. So that's point one. I've got a lot of point ones today. I think that's my second point one, I think. So. Second point would be, we want to be holy. We want to be spirit-filled church. This church, we want the presence of God to be here when we meet. It says in that, in that passage again, in him the whole building is held together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which the Holy Spirit dwells. When we gather together, whether it's here on a Sunday, whether it's over in Dines Green, whether it's Friday night on an encounter, whether it's an advanced sessions, whether it's an encounter this week, we want the Holy Spirit to be here. We want his presence to dwell amongst us. The, the, the early church in Acts, they were breathed, they were born, they were birthed out of the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the Spirit came upon them and they were changed. They had a revelation of the church, they had a revelation and they were captivated and they went and they did amazing things. They did amazing miracles. They had anointed teaching. They persevered under amazing oppression and persecution. They established churches throughout the world because they'd, they'd been birthed in the Holy Spirit. We, in the same way, we need the presence of God to dwell amongst us. When we gather together, Holy Spirit, come. 
The Bible tells us where the Spirit of the Lord is, then there is freedom. And when we gather together, we want people to come amongst us and to know the presence of God is here. We want lives to be transformed. This week at Encounter, that's very much part of Hope Church. We want lives to be transformed. We want lives to be changed. It's by the presence of God. We want to see captives set free. But also I believe the Holy Spirit, one of my favourite prayers in the Bible is Paul in Ephesians 1, where he says, I pray that you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know him better. I want us to be a church that receives the spirit, that we may know Jesus better. That we, we know him. Not only do we know Jesus better, we know the power that he, he gives and it says in that same passage, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So secondly, I want this to be a place, sorry, we want this to be a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Thirdly, I think this is a key one for us, community. One of the reasons I'm passionate, so I'm just going to have a quick drink. One of the reasons I'm passionate about this church is because it's a family. It's not just an organisation that we're members of, but we're a family. I love the fact that there's generations of people here, generations from the youngest to the oldest. I love it that we, I love it that my children can come to this church and it's just not me and Nick that they get inspired by. Hopefully they're inspired by us. Um, but there's people here that they can inspire, be inspired by. When I was growing up at this church, there was a guy called Graham. Now, Graham had long leather black trousers, a black and red woolen jumper, a pink Mohican, and this man was cool. This is the guy that I wanted to be. He played bass. I thought, that's, what, that's my instrument. I'm going to go and play bass to be like Graham. And you know what? That's the beauty of church. There'll be people here that inspire the other generations. There'll be people here that we can turn to when we've got problems. There's people here that are just going to give us a hug and just tell us this. I love you, it's okay. That's the beauty of the church, it's a family. We're made to be community. We're made to be, belong to family. We're living in an age where it's often reported on the news that the elderly are probably the most lonely generation that has been. That communities, community hubs are struggling because of finance issues and, and things like that and community centres are, are struggling. You've seen the high street dying, really, because of internet shopping and things like that. Um, that's another passion of mine, but I won't go there yet. Um, that's another day. Um, you see social media, where you see people with hundreds of likes on their Facebook pages and things like that, but how well do they know all these friends that are on Facebook and things like that? The church, sorry, the world needs community. The world needs family. We are a family. We are a community. We've got to celebrate that. And why it works is because of one value, I believe. It's founded on love. In the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it says 11 times, love one another. We love each other. Okay, sometimes we might fall out from time again, time and time. But you know what? Love is at the heart of who we are. And because we've been loved, we can love. Because we've been forgiven, we can forgive. And so sometimes, like I said, some people may say stuff to you that, that hurts you. Let's love one another. Let's work that out. Let's forgive one another. Love is at the heart of our community. 
And we've got to make that work. We've got to be community. Because God says in, in, in Psalms, I want to put the lonely into families. I want, to, I want to put the lonely into families. I want the orphans and widows cared for. We've got to use the things that God's blessed us to bless, to be a blessing. So God's blessed many of us with homes and families. Let's use these amazing tools to bless the community around us. Let's look out for those that might be on the edge and draw them in. Let's use the things that God's given us. And if you're feeling on the edge this morning, if you're feeling, I don't know if I really belong, let me encourage you. Get plugged in. Find a way to get plugged in. We've got responsibility to make sure that people are loved and cared for. But also let me encourage you to get plugged in. There's lots of small groups and different things that go on in the life of the church. Ways of getting plugged in. You can serve. There's many teams and things you can serve upon. Ways of getting to know people. Let me encourage you. If you're feeling on the edge, get plugged in. Find a way and a group. So there's many things on the back of the welcome sheet that you can find at um, community. Number four, it would be mission. We're all about mission. We come here on a Sunday to, to meet with God, to, to go out and then go out and change the world. We don't come here, have a nice time and then go home again and live just our normal everyday life. We come to go and take the good news to the rest of the world. I love the passage in, 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 a, in Revelation where it says, a great multitude of every tribe, tongue and nation. It's one of our favourite passages in the whole of Scripture. And it's a great picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. But until we get there, we've got a responsibility to go and take the gospel to the world outside. Number five would be holiness. It says, God says, be holy, for I am holy. Now, like I said, I very much believe in grace. I very much believe that we stand before the king completely righteous, completely pure because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And Paul and Peter and all the writers of the New Testament, they believe that too. But it didn't stop them writing to the New Testament churches saying, be holy. Stay away from sexual immorality. Stay away from impurity. Stay away from lust. Stay away from evil desires. Stay away from greed and idolatry. They're part of your old life. Seek after the things of God. There's many pleasures in this world. There's many pleasures that tempt us and we think, yeah, but they're just fleeting. They're, they're going to go with this world. We've got something so much better to live for. So be holy. Stop it. If, if there's things that you're doing that are not of God, stop it. It's serious. Be holy, for I am holy. And my last point would be, we've all got a part to play. God loves to bless his church with many different ministries. We have apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. They're great and they're very much about equipping the church. And we, we recognise those. But there's no hierarchy in the church. They're not more special than, the, than anybody else. We've all got a part to play. There's a, it, one of the analogies it, it, that Paul uses is, is the body. The foot doesn't say to the hand, I'm no good because I'm not a foot or whatever. Um, We've all got a part to play. We've all got a role to play. We've all got a function to play in this church. We work together collectively when we all, we're all playing our part. So like I said, if, if you're feeling on the edge, you don't know how to get involved, come and speak to one of us. 
There's lots to get involved with here at Hope. There's lots we want to do as a church together. A lot of that is resource dependent sometimes. We just need all of us to be playing our part and doing our thing. Okay? I'm going to finish there. I'm going to pray. Father, we say thank you for your church. We thank you that your church is the body of Christ. Thank you that you are the head. You are the one. And thank you that we have the privilege of being part of your body. So Father, this morning I pray, just come and bring fresh revelation of the bride of Christ. Lord, I pray you come and bring fresh revelation of how you perceive your church. Captivate our gaze, Lord Jesus. Captivate our gaze, Lord, that we as a church may run after the promises that you've given us. Father, we want to bless this city. We want to bless this city. We want to bless the nations. Father, come and give us a vision of your church. Lord, I pray, Lord, that those things we read about in Acts, that model, that we discover more and more of those things. That we will be a community where you can set the lonely amongst us. Where we can care for the orphans and widows. Father, we'll be a community that people can come amongst us and they encounter the presence of God. Father, I pray, Lord, we're a community that runs after holiness. Lord, we run after the things of you. Captivate our gaze, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Fresh revelation this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.